0: Hello ladies and gentlemen. <clears throat> and welcome to the thirty-fourth episode of the Kosi Show. Coming to live. And um right on the air now, just a little bit afternoon time. It's about twelve ten p.m. So a little bit. Afternoon, so yeah, perfect timing. Anyway, I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, um, for my and I know I've apologized before for similar circumstances, but um, you know, I sincerely mean it, you know, I sincerely mean. I apologize, ladies and gentlemen, for my extended absence over the past, say, week or so. I just needed time to refresh my mind, reflect, put things in perspective, and, you know, take a back seat for a while. But it was a minor setback for a major comeback. So there you go. (laughs) All right. So, wow, wow, wow. Right? Where do I start? I have never, quite frankly, been a part of such pandemonium quite like this before. I don't think I've ever seen this you know, crazy carousel take place in the world of sports, but that's exactly what we were treated to this week and this weekend. So without any further ado, let's get right into it. So let me first start off with Um, what took place, you know, early on in the week, or I should say earlier on in the week. Um, but first off, I would be remiss if I didn't say, let the coaching carousel begin. (laughs) So, all right, so let's get started on that, shall we? Excuse me. I didn't say that with enough enthusiasm. Let's try that again. Let's start off, you know, on the right track, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So there's been some apparent coaching changes over the past week or so. And I'll just get right into it. First of all, It's been, you know, said for the record that Brian Dayball has been named the New York Giants head coach. So, we have a new coach for the New York football Giants. The G-Men, you know, (laughs) Big Blue, or no, I don't think Big Blue is a word you could associate with the Giants because of Michigan, you know, the college football program, but in any event, rather you want to call them, you know, the G-men, the men in blue, or even the New York football Giants, however you want to call them. They made a head coaching change and now Brian Dable is their new head football coach. And so there's that. Um, but also there's been some other head coaching changes that took place over the past week. So there's that for the New York Giants. Um, but there's some other NFL coaches that also got some positions as well. Um, Nathaniel Hackett got a head coaching position. Um, so that's worth noting for sure. Um, Josh Daniels has also been named a head coach. Um, he's been named head coach for the Raiders. Um, so pretty nice to note that. Let's see. Am I missing anyone here? Let's see, Nathaniel Hackett, Josh McDaniels, Brian Dayball. Hmm. Let me see here. Give me just one second. No, uh, there might be one other person that I'm leaving out, but for the most part, that's your... That's our lineup pretty much. Now, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, the developments that's going to take place in the offseason. You know, for example, is Eric Biennemi finally going to get a head coaching position? That remains to be seen. Is Kellen Moore going to get a head coaching position for the first time in his career that also remains to be seen, but there's also other, you know, potential candidates for head coaching jobs. At one point, Dan Quinn was requested to get a head coaching job, but um, that will no longer be the case as it's been reported um around last week or so that Dan Quinn will remain with the Dallas Cowboys for the 2022 season. So, there you go. So, speaking of the NFL, let's get right into it, shall we? The the uh, AFC and NFC championship game. So, first of all, I would just you know, be lying out loud if I didn't say that I was rooting hard for the Cincinnati Bengals to come out on top in the AFC championship game with no disrespect to the Chiefs, not even not going to, excuse me, with no disrespect to the Chiefs, you know, not even to knock, well, what can I say? tongue twister. Let me repeat that. Let's try it again. <sighs> um, not even to root against the Chiefs here, not even to be, you know, a knock on the Chiefs, but you know, it's one of those things that, you know, I'm just, you know, one of those guys that's a big Joe Burrow fan. And I'm a big fan of this Makeup of this team This is kind of like a Cinderella story come true This is an underdog story A lot of people can probably relate to And so That's why I Like the Bengals as much as I do And I'm a fan favorite Of Well I should say they're A fan favorite But as far as you know Being a you know, a guy that's a really big Bengals fan, that's me. So I shouldn't say I'm a fan favorite. I should say they are, but I digress anyway. So the Bengals went into G E. Yeah. G E H a field at Arrowhead, or you can just say, AKA Arrowhead stadium. And, uh, they played quite a game. Throughout all four quarters, it was a, you know, a knockdown, dragout, slobber knocker. Both teams went head to head and absolutely just, they laid it all out there. They left it all out on the field. They, you know, held no punches. Both teams. You know, they gave it all they could, and they gave it all they had. But in the end, only one team would come out on top. And so, it became a really, really interesting development right from the start. The Cincinnati Bengals, at one point, trailed 18 points um, throughout the game. At one point, they were down 21-3 to in the ballgame and somehow managed to climb out of the 18-point deficit. And they erased that 18-point deficit. And, of course, the Bengals drove down the field. Well, or in this case, marched themselves down the field and hit, you know, a big-time field goal in the clutch in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter, I should say. And then, of course, the Kansas City Chiefs also answered back with a game-saving field goal of their own, which sent the game into overtime. So, into overtime it went. And, of course, I think I felt a lead ball drop in my stomach when... The coin toss was, you know, underway. I just got really, you know, nervous and anxious and uneasy as the Cincinnati Bengals announced that they chose heads. Because, of course, if you're the road team, you get to choose which side of the coin you want, whether it's heads or tails. So they chose heads. But the coin flip red tails. So the Kansas City Chiefs got to possess the ball first. Now, I think most of you are familiar by now. The Kansas City Chiefs, last time they were in this position, won with a walk-off touchdown. That's right. The Kansas City Chiefs knocked the Bills out of the playoffs. When they won the uh, coin flip in overtime last week in the divisional playoff game between the Chiefs and the Bills. So this kind of brought back the euphoria in my brain like this was deja vu all over again to an extent because, you know, they're at Arrowhead Stadium, their own stadium. And it's going to be, you know, just a matter of time between that point and the next couple of minutes afterward that um, Kansas City, uh, the Chiefs rather, the Kansas City Chiefs, I should say, and Patrick Mahomes, or in this case, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs would march down the field for, you know, potentially a game-winning score. But that was not the case. But that was always a thought in the back of my mind. Like, could this really happen again? It could, but luckily it didn't. Um, Patrick Mahomes kind of beat himself and the chiefs, I should say beat themselves more than anything else when it came down to it. But you know, what it all came down to was Patrick Mahomes got sacked a couple of times. At one point he fumbled the football. He had a, an interception at one point and, uh, he actually had another interception later on in the game. So you could say that Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs beat themselves more than anything. But I would be remiss if I didn't give credit to the Cincinnati Bengals for pulling out, you know, their end of the bargain. You know, because the Cincinnati Bengals had to work for this. And so. I think you have to give the Cincinnati Bengals credit, um, for, you know, being poised under pressure for being, you know, ready in the moment, you know, not letting the moment get too big for them, you know, cause Kansas city has been here before and Cincinnati hasn't been here in a good 30 plus years. So. Um, you know, that was quite the sight to see. Um, but yeah, that happened, and so after that, the Bengals got the football back and they drove down the field, or in this case, marched down the field, and they kicked the game winning field goal to send them to the Super Bowl. They became the AFC champions. They won the AFC championship game. And so now they'll be playing for the Lombardi trophy at SoFi stadium in Los Angeles on February the 13th. So what a Cinderella story come true. <laughs> and quite frankly, it even got me a little emotional at one point because here I am a fan of you know, more than interested, um, you know, watching this game with interest and, you know, I'm basically just hanging on to every play, play by play by play. And, you know, to seed the ball go through the uprights, oh, just provided a sense of relief you know, just like I could breathe again, like I can inhale and exhale without being, you know, so, you know, jittery, jumpy, anxious, nervous and all that. It was unnerving, really it was, but the Cincinnati Bengals came out on top and they will play for the biggest prize in the NFL, the Super Bowl trophy at Sofa Stadium in Inglewood, or in this case, the greater Los Angeles area. So there you go. Moving on. So in the NFC Championship, we had the Rams take on the 49ers. And this game would be held at the same place that's going to hold the Super Bowl February the 13th. And that is SoFi Stadium in the greater Los Angeles area, California. So, the game went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth for four quarters. That's right. This was a carousel. This game, you know, there are ups and downs and all that. But this game went back and forth for. All four quarters. That's right. For 60 minutes, this game was a coin flip. You know, it all came down to who was going to make the big mistake. And ultimately, to my surprise, San Francisco was the team to make that big mistake. Now, keep in mind, Going into the NFC Championship game, the San Francisco 49ers had won the last six straight meetings versus the rival Los Angeles Rams. So, you know, with that in mind, I thought that the San Francisco 49ers would find a way to win. But when it came down to crunch time... In the fourth quarter. And of course, by this point, the 49ers were deep in their own territory. They were facing a third down and long, I believe. And that's when Aaron Donald disrupted the play. And Jimmy Garoppolo threw up an ill-advised pass over his head to one of the San Francisco 49ers players but you know it went through you know it I shouldn't say went through but it went over his head and into the lap of the other team that's right the pass got picked off by the Los Angeles Rams and by this point the score was 20 to 17 in favor of LA so That combined with the fact that now the Los Angeles Rams, excuse me, the Los Angeles Rams were, you know, right in the driver's seat, if you will. And, you know, they're deep inside the 49ers territory by this point. So they could have, you know, kicked a field goal if they wished to, or just simply run out the clock. All that. They had all these options at their disposal. They chose the simpler option to run out the clock. By this point, Jimmy Garoppolo was distraught. How could he not be after basically, you know, losing the game for his team? Essentially, you could put this loss on Jimmy Garoppolo because that is a throw or a pass that any coach would tell you not to make because good chances the other team will pick that pass off and, you know, I can only assume that a good 7 out of 10 times, you know, take it back the other way for 6 points. That's right. The opposing team in most case scenarios in that particular instance would probably come away with the pick six, but that didn't happen. But what did happen is the Los Angeles Rams came out on top due to all of the 49ers, you know, blunders and mistakes miscalculations and inaccuracies, the Rams came out on top. And of course they were confident they were going to win this matchup. A lot of the Rams players were pretty much guaranteeing a victory going into the NFC championship, even though the San Francisco 49ers had the Los Angeles Rams number. The 49ers had won six straight meetings against their NFC West arch rival, the Rams. And to come out on top and break that curse, the NFC championship game is probably, you know, no better way to do it. So there you go. So now we have our Super Bowl matchup set will have Cincinnati Bengals taking on the home team in the Super Bowl, the Los Angeles Rams. Now, in the football, or I should say on the football power index, it says that the Rams are favored in the Super Bowl against Cincinnati by four points, which you know, I would say doesn't mean too much. If anything, that means very little because, you know, those numbers aren't very encouraging. And the last, you know, times that the Super Bowl champion was favored by four points, they lost outright. So... Um, will the Los Angeles Rams be the first to break that curse or will the four point spread be in favor of the opposing team yet again? We'll just have to see. Um, on paper, the Rams are, um, without a doubt, they're unanimously the better team. Um, and that goes without saying, I mean, just look at their roster from top to bottom. You have Cooper cup, Tyler Higby, Matthew Stafford. You got, and then you got the guys on the defensive side of the ball, but I'll get to that in a second. You also have Odell Beckham Jr. You know, guys like that. And then of course the Rams offensive line, Andrew Whitworth. You know, so you got those guys on the offensive side of the ball, along with Sean McVeigh, who was a former quarterback's coach and perhaps one of the best coaches possibly of this generation. And Sean McVeigh, you know, a, a man who's already led his team, the Los Angeles Rams, to the Super Bowl a few years prior. So, you add all that, and then, of course, the defensive players, or the players on the defensive side of the ball, you know, guys like Aaron Donald, guys like Jalen Ramsey, guys like, you know, Vaughn Miller, you know, those kind of guys, you know, but like I said, you know, you add those guys, like I said, Aaron Donald, Vaughn Miller, Jalen Ramsey, you know, that's a stacked defensive line. That's a scary defense to face for anybody, for any offensive line, for any team, at any time, anywhere, any place. So, therefore, the Rams are probably the favorite to win the Super Bowl um, by a long shot. Um not even to be a knock on the Cincinnati Bengals it's just you know the way it looks right now you know just based on paper um on paper this looks like a mismatch um possibly one of the biggest mismatches in Super Bowl history and that's saying a lot but quite frankly um that's not to say that it's a guaranteed win for the Los Angeles Rams it's just saying that if you're a Los Angeles Rams fan i mean it'd be hard not to like those odds um you know so you you uh excuse me you mentioned that um excuse me i say that not to mention the fact that they're playing in SoFi Stadium of all places, their home stadium. It makes for an electric atmosphere. Um, So that's all the more, you know, reason to believe that the Rams are probably the odds on favorite to win the Super Bowl. Now I'm hoping as a Bengals fan that this does not take place, but, uh, I don't know. We'll just have to see. That may be wishful thinking by this point, but you know, I try not to think that way. I'm a positive man. I'm a positive thinker. That's how I've been able to accomplish everything I've set out to accomplish. But anyway, so the Rams will... Be taking on the Bengals in the Super Bowl. And if you were to be a, a betting person, you would bet on the Rams to win the Super Bowl. But that's such a easy bet to the point where that's not even fair, really. I mean, unless you were to put a sizable amount of money on it. And by sizable amount of money, I'm not talking, you know, five, ten, twenty, thirty, forty, fifty dollars. $50. I'm talking, you know, more than that. So, like I said, I'm not talking, you know, one, two, three, four, five, ten, you know, the list goes on and on. I'm not talking. I'm talking a hundred dollars or more, unless you're willing to make that kind of bet. And maybe that's, you know, a little unrealistic, but unless you're willing to make that kind of bet, and maybe those numbers are outrageous, but nevertheless, unless you're willing to bet on those odds then quite frankly, that's kind of, that's kind of a cheap victory. You know, that's kind of a bet, you know, you win and what's a, you know, what's the point of making a bet if you know, you're going to win the bet, you know, it's kind of like, you know, the Rams playing in their home stadium, you know, the advantage is in their favor. Regardless of if it's going to be all Rams fans or all Bengals fans or a mixture of the two, a mixed crowd, the Rams are on their home floor. So this will probably feel like a regular season game to them. So it's just like taking candy from a baby, basically. So. If you're willing to bet money on this game, then you might as well bet, you know, sizable amount of money, maybe a hundred dollars or more. Um, and if you lose, well, then that's on you. But if you win, then quite frankly, you could be up to a hundred dollars richer. Who knows? But anyway, um, not to get carried away here, um, um. I would just say, you know, to end it, you know. Let me just let me just say this. I'm ending on this note. I'm gonna leave you with this. So on the way out of this particular part of the Super Bowl discussion, the Rams, um basically they're playing with house money because at this point in time you know they're only the second team in super bowl history to be playing the super bowl in their home stadium the smart money says the rams should win this game um because they're the better team because they're the more talented team because they're the more experienced team you know and it it's not hard to argue with those results um but then again this game has not been played yet so let's not you know let's not jump to conclusions here but it is what it is we'll see what we'll see what happens february the 13th so that should be a good one but now let's talk about the cincinnati side of things you have Joe Burrow who's a second year quarterback um coming back from an ACL tear for one but taking this Bengals team to the playoffs and of course to the AFC championship game and now to the Super Bowl no one expected Cincinnati to be here no one you know thought that, oh, hey, the Bengals have a shot to win the Super Bowl. Hey, the Bengals, they'll probably win the AFC championship. Hey, the Bengals will probably win the AFC North. No one said that. If anyone, excuse me, if anything, people were writing the Bengals off. People wrote them off. That's right. People looked at the Bengals and wrote them off. They said their offensive line is weak. You know, there's not enough continuity. It's not enough cohesion, not enough chemistry. You know, I've heard all of the, you know, doubters, the critics, all of that, you know, Kanzak Taylor coached this Bengals team. Um, To the Super Bowl, you know, or is he just some, you know, is he some just one trick pony? You know, he wins one playoff game and then done, you know, is Zach Taylor the truth or is he a one and done playoff type coach? So in other words, is Zach Taylor the real deal? Or is he a one-and-done playoff game kind of coach? And all those questions were answered well into this point. Um, all those questions were met with emphatic yeses all across the board. All those questions were met with a stamp of approval. Yes, yes, yes. The Cincinnati Bengals are worthy of being in the Super Bowl. They are worthy of getting to this point. They deserve to be here. They've earned the right to play in the Super Bowl. They earned the AFC Championship. They won the AFC North. And of course... They won the AFC. So therefore, by all means, Cincinnati deserves to be here. Here. But like I said, yes, Cincinnati deserves to be here. But just because you deserve to be here, just because you've earned the right to be here, just because you deserve it, you know, does not necessarily mean you're going to win it. So like I said, just because you've earned the right to be there, just because you deserve the right to be there, just because, you know, you've made it this far, doesn't mean you're going to win Super Bowl. So let me repeat that one more time for you guys and girls and boys and, you know, anyway, let me, let me say it again. Let me repeat this for all you Ladies and gents, boys and girls, cats and dogs out there, just because you've, you know, earned the right to go to the Super Bowl, you deserve the right to go to the Super Bowl. And of course, you've made it this far and, you know, you came out on top. You've earned the right. You deserve the right. You've made it and you've. You know, you've won all the games up to this point doesn't mean you're gonna win the Super Bowl. Now I'm not saying that they won't win it. I'm just saying I don't know if they will win it. You know, so we'll see. Um will the Cincinnati Bengals win the Super Bowl at SoFi Stadium? I hope so. But uh you know, that's all I can really say is I hope so. They've come this far and trust me, they haven't come this far just to come this far. So we'll see. It should be a big game atmosphere. It should be a big fight feel. It should be everything that the Super Bowl, um, you know, is all about the pageantry the passion the the thrill of it all you know i think it'll all be worth it but two storylines but only one fairy tale ending is going to end this story and so it's all going to come down to one team Two teams, one goal, the Super Bowl. It's all going to come down to who wants it more, who's the more physical team, who's the most disciplined, you know, excuse me, who's the most physical team, who's the most disciplined team, and of course, which team is going to execute the plays that they need to execute when it matters the most. Um, which team can win at the line of scrimmage, which team can win the line of scrimmage, which team can win in the trenches, which team can, you know, control the clock, dictate the pace, all that. So there's a lot of factors going into this match. Um, between the Bengals and the Rams. um. So, you know, it's not as simple as saying, oh, just go out and play your best. Go out and leave it all out there. Or go out and, you know, play your best game. There's much more to it than that. There are levels to this. You know, like I said before, which team can win the line of scrimmage? Which team can win in the trenches, which team, uh, excuse me, which team can be, you know, not can be, but which team is the more physical team, which team is the most disciplined team, which team is, you know, the most, you know, desperate team. All that. Which team is the aggressor going in? You know, so all these factors play a role in who's going to win the Super Bowl. All of these factors will be a role in who's going to win the Super Bowl. All of that. So, you know, I can go on and on and on and on and on about who's going to win the Super Bowl. You know, who. Which team is going to come out on top in the biggest game of the season? Which team is going to create a legendary story in the ranks of the NFL? We'll just have to see, but like I said, I can go on and on and on and on and on about the Super Bowl, who's gonna win it, and why they're gonna win it and which team this means the most to. Um, but you know, quite frankly, uh that's not what this podcast is about. It's about diversification, if I dare say that word. I don't even know is that a word? I don't know. I'll have to look that up. But anyway, it's about, you know, all sorts of topics, sports, media, news, professional wrestling, and more. So without any further ado, let me get right into that right now. So moving on, um, Tom Brady, Yes, I said him. Yes, I said that. Tom Brady has retired after 22 seasons in the NFL. He's a seven-time Super Bowl champion, multiple-time AFC champion, multiple-division champ, and, you know, you know, of all, all, uh, you know, wow. I still can't believe I'm saying this all among other things. He is one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback of all time. So you add that along with the fact that this man is 44 years old for crying out loud. He played, you know, You know, the quarterback position, probably better than any other player that has ever played this game. He's probably played the position better than any player to currently play this game. And quite frankly, he may be the best player to ever play this game before, during, or even after. So. You know, it's hard to argue with seven Super Bowl championships, multiple AFC championships, multiple division titles. It's hard to argue with success. And quite frankly, you can't argue with success. And, you know, rather I, Tom Brady's biggest critic, wants to admit it or not. He is earn the right to be called one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterback to ever play this game. Now that's saying a lot. Um, you know, coming from, you know, a guy that despises his freaking guts, you know, you know, but it is what it is. I hate his guts, Tom Brady, that is, but you know, that's for personal reasons, you know, there's, you know, deflate gate, spy gate and whatever else, you know, but despite all of that, he has earned his accolades. Um, he's earned his accomplishments and of course he's earned all of his respect and I can't take that away from him. now. Was it earned? like honestly and truthfully like i said there's spygate deflategate spygate 2.0 um that's kind of a gray area but i won't even get into that um the fact is the fact of the matter is Tom Brady has done what probably no other quarterback will ever be able to do when seven super bowls Win multiple AFC championships and multiple division titles and not to mention he has the passing touchdown record and that's probably going to stand for quite some time, not to mention all the other records that he has, which may never be broken. So yeah, that and he, uh, you know, he's a class act. He really is. Even in defeat, he is great on and off the field. So um, congratulations, Tom Brady, for um all of your accolades, seven Super Bowl titles, several division titles, multiple AFC championships. Um, but he has called it a career, and for a guy that hates his guts, myself, <laughs> a guy that can't stand the guy, a guy that would go out of his way to say he despises the man with passion. Myself, uh, it is what it is. I have to give credit where credit is due. And that's that. So there you go. Okay. So moving on. Um, I want to talk about some professional wrestling news now, and I'm going to get right into it. So the Royal Rumble pay-per-view event or pay-per-view special or premium live event, whatever you want to call it, took place this past weekend, Saturday. Saturday night, rather. Um, and that was probably the best pay-per-view, um, overall so far in quite a while, probably the most well-rounded, um, pay-per-view, um, all across the board. So of course, we had the women's Royal Rumble match and that was, I guess you could say a, uh, pretty entertaining contest. Um, but in the end it came down to two women, Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. Ronda Rousey. Yes. I said her Ronda Rousey made a, surprise appearance in the Royal Rumble. And I don't know uh, why I wasn't just, you know, completely out of my mind when I saw it. I can't believe I didn't have my jaw drop on the floor and, you know, lose my freaking mind when this happened. But despite all of that, Ronda Rousey returned, and she won the Royal Rumble match by tossing the runner-up, Charlotte Flair, over the top rope. Now keep in mind, if Charlotte Flair would have won this match, she would have had the right to choose her opponent in this year's, or yeah, this year's WrestleMania. So that'll no longer be happening. Thank goodness. Okay. So there was that. And then of course there was the men's Royal Rumble match. Um, not to take anything away from the women's Royal Rumble match, but I feel like, um, you know, both, uh, the women's Royal Rumble match and the men's Royal Rumble match had pros and cons, you know, they had benefits and drawbacks. They had, you know. They're good moments and not so good moments, but either way, both match, both matches rather, um, were worth watching. But, um, I want to talk a little bit about the men's Royal Rumble match now, and that's what I'm going to do. So in the men's Royal Rumble match, um, some familiar faces, of course, showed up. (laughs) Even those from past generations and past eras. You know, so you had all that combined with the fact that all of these men were fighting for a shot at a champion of their choosing at WrestleMania. So you have all these guys fighting for a chance to headline WrestleMania and choose a champion of their choosing. At WrestleMania, and that was the same concept with the women's Royal Rumble match. All these women were fighting for the right to face a champion of their choosing at WrestleMania. So the men's Royal Rumble match came down to Brock Lesnar, who else? And of course, Drew McIntyre of all people, two men that have been, you know, notorious with the main event and of course two men that have been, uh, you know, synonymous with the main event scene, two men that, you know, the premier, yeah, two of the premier, uh, WWE superstars, you know, on the card. So, and of course, they're more than a little bit familiar with each other. Drew McIntyre had defeated Brock Lesnar for the WWE championship a few years prior. So this was kind of like Brock Lesnar's, I guess, revenge tour, I guess you could call it, but it was more or less his validation, if you could call it that. So... That happened in the men's Royal Rumble match. Brock Lesnar won the men's. Ronda Rousey won the women's Royal Rumble match. Um, And then, of course, this was all due to the fact that Brock Lesnar faced Bobby Lashley for the WWE Championship. And, of course, lost that match due to uh, a lot of controversy. There was a lot of outside interference in a lot of, you know, strings pulled, um, during that match that saw Bobby Lashley take that WWE championship away from Brock Lesnar, Paul Heyman, his ex manager turned on him at the end of the match and aligned himself once again with the tribal chief, the head of the table, the end all be all. Roman Reigns. So it's going to be interesting to see what takes place this Friday night on SmackDown and even tonight on Monday Night Raw. So I'm definitely going to be, excuse me, I'm definitely going to be watching both of those shows with interest tonight and on Friday night. So stay tuned to be continued. Okay. So I'm coming down to the final minutes of the show here, you know, coming down to the nitty gritty, coming down to the final segments of the Cozy Show podcast. And, you know, I wanted to once again say, um, you know, I can't stress it enough. I apologize sincerely for my hiatus over the past week or so. You know, I haven't you know, been living up to my word when it comes to doing this podcast, like I said, I would said, I would do it daily, you know, during the week. And I took basically a week off. So I haven't been slacking or anything like that by any means, ladies and gents, but it needed to happen for personal reasons. So I apologize. And Thank you very much for your understanding. Okay. So there's that. Um, what else? Oh yeah. So I got this, uh, story slash book slash storybook, whatever you want to call it. That I've been working on since the beginning of this month. So ever since early January, I've been, you know, going at it, you know, you know, without any, you know, without any thought whatsoever, you know, just telling the story, you know, with all the raw and pure content that actually took place, you know, it's basically an autobiography, um, but it's got some, I wouldn't say fictional elements to it, but some, some, uh, I guess you could say, um, you know, very surrealistic, um, elements to it. So I wouldn't say non-fictional elements by any means, but very surrealistic, um, events, You know, took place while I was going through this journey. So again, I wouldn't say fictional elements by any means were in the story, but definitely surrealistic, um, moments took place during the story and I plan, doesn't mean it's going to happen, but I plan on, you know, publishing, you know, this on youtube and you might ask how can you publish a story via youtube well plain and simple you simply just record yourself and you record yourself reading your own autobiography or your own story your own book story book whatever you want to call it and of course you go on about your business and after you're done you create a video so, and you can also go on YouTube, um, to figure out how to do that kind of stuff. Um, if that wasn't clear enough for you, but, uh, I got to run, you know, not run, but I got to cut it short here because I'm approaching my final minute of this episode, episode 34, of the Cozy show podcast, so a couple things before I sign off for this episode of the Cozy Show podcast, um and I'll be quick with it. Uh so I will uh you know I will be writing more of the story slash book slash storybook later at some point today and throughout the week and I'll definitely be, you know, reading parts of the story on different episodes of my podcast, the Cozy Show podcast. And one more thing before I sign off, um, I will be right back at it tomorrow with another episode. So stay tuned and, uh, to be continued. So definitely look for me on Spotify or anchor or wherever you can find the Cozy Show podcast. This is me, Kosi, saying goodbye until next time. Thank you. You all take care.